Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 235 of the podcast that is sweeping America. The Aratorius Sports Podcast. Great show today. Uh, Two completely different elements of the show later on. First of all, Nick Nick Coffey, who is on the phone right now, he will be joining me momentarily. We will be kind of just recapping everything that's happened in sports, a little bit more lighthearted, quarantine life, all that stuff. Later on in the show, I do have a sports law attorney named Dan Lust. You can follow him on Twitter. Uh, maybe the most informative, interesting interview that I've ever done on this show because he just talks about every element of this, when sports will come back, what legal liability is, all that stuff. So I know law talk sounds boring, but it is fascinating. I encourage you to listen. But first, the return. Nick Coffey can hear him 7 to 10 Eastern, 790 KRD in Louisville. Nick, uh, first of all, the show has gone on in Louisville, right? You're still doing uh, your show every morning? Yeah, so we were taken off the air uh, on Friday, and it was literally a, you can't be on the air because of some things that, that have happened, but you're going to be good to go. And I hit, like, the panic of, like, for me to just be abruptly off the air. And, of course, I was told there was only so much I can say. Like, it hit me that people are going to think I have the coronavirus. So I'm good, I'm healthy, and I'm going to be doing my show moving forward. No plans to stop, but we will be doing it uh, from the uh, from the coffee headquarters. I'm going to be doing my house from my sh- uh, doing my show from my house to follow these social distancing practices as uh, this pandemic period rolls along. So, uh, like I, I, I said this last week, Aaron, uh, and it's, it's it's still the case, and probably even more so. But I don't know what kind of lifestyle you have to live for you to not have been impacted at least a little yeah. bit by everything that's gone on, not just where you are on the West Coast where I'm at in Kentucky, but anywhere in the country, seemingly. Yeah, and what I will say, and I know I I speak for both of us when I say this, uh, and I led last show by saying this, but I sincerely mean it, is uh, like you just said, everybody is impacted. And so obviously our thoughts are with people that are either limited or frankly just around the house more. Um, You know, a lot of people in the service industry, in the travel industry, in the hospitality industry, we know everybody's struggling. And Nick, you know, the one thing that I've wanted to do with this show, and I know I speak for you and your show, is to just provide entertainment for an hour, for an hour and 15 minutes, for 45 minutes, whatever the show ends up going. Um, Because I know everybody is stuck and I know everybody wants to get away. And so I try to limit the talk to, uh, you know, if I'm talking Corona, only the way that it impacts sports. 
Uh, but I hope I hope you know you and I can do this, and I do think the interview on the back end will be very interesting. But I hope that you and I can just provide some fun and relief and relaxation for people that are stuck around the house. Like you said, just about everybody is impacted in this in some way, shape, and form. And obviously, especially you know, our thoughts are with uh, everybody who's maybe uh, you know way of life in terms of again being in the hospitality industry or the travel industry. If your life has been impacted either, yeah, and and. To be fair, if you look at the numbers, we still haven't gotten to the point where it's, it's really scary for everybody as far as their health. It's serious, but what's scary is how you know economies around yep. the country are going to be hit by this. And you mentioned those in the hospitality industry. If you're locally owned in certain spots, the profit margin being so small, if you're like a local restaurant or something like that, being out for even a week can really bury you. And uh, so I do think I, I can only speak for where I'm at, but people are trying to really stay positive and support as best they can with doing carry out and take out but you know that can only last so long so hopefully if everybody does band together and follow these social distancing practices and realize that it is a real thing and serious you have to take it serious then we'll be out of this uh you know not soon but of course sooner rather than later a hundred percent and and i would never ever ever tell anybody how to spend their disposable income but if you do have any disposable income at a time like this uh, taking out lunch, dinner, whatever really does help. Uh, my wife and I went out. No and grabbed, yeah, I was going to say my wife went out and I went out and grabbed a pizza the other night. And, uh, you know, you could tell people are really just trying to get by. So, uh, like I said, I do want uh, us to have a little bit of fun here. Uh, and I will remind everybody, please make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I am still going to be doing this show twice a day, twice a week, every week. Going forward, make sure you're following Nick, of course, with his show, 790KRD, 7 to 10 Eastern in Louisville. Uh, make sure you follow this this page on Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. I should also mention, make sure to rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars. Many people still telling me every time I have you on, Nick, uh, even in the iTunes reviews, that you need more Nick Coffee. So Nick Coffee is here. Uh, and I, I guess I would just start by asking very simply, I mean, how is the quarantine life? I mean, we, we, we make jokes about, uh, you know, birth rates going up, divorce rates going up. Uh, you had already, you know, the, the, the birth rate was not going to be impacted uh, via corona by you because, <laughs> of course, your wife got pregnant at Chris, Chris Mack Fantasy Camp. So we had that conversation. That's right. uh, for people who don't know, that conversation did happen on this show many months ago. Um, but yes, so your wife is, um, I assume happy and healthy and all that stuff, but, uh, how are you spending this quarantine life? Because it's unprecedented and, uh, you know, it's certainly, uh, is very serious, but there are also some lighthearted moments in all this as well. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, at least now, and it's still early in the process, but there's, there's a little bit of, uh, I don't want to say joy, but just to kind of be settled in. I mean, it's, it's, I guess, relaxing, and you hope that you can hold on to that feeling before it turns into being stir-crazy, but uh, last night, uh, my wife and I, we've got about a, a group of about 20, 20 friends that are pretty close. Uh, we all kind of are around the same age, went to school together, had kids around the same age and whatnot, uh, so what we did is we got creative, so there's a game, an app, that is, it's beer pong. And oh. it's, you know, it's, you just play it with your finger or whatever. You just, it's, you're not really playing with cups, but it's just a virtual beer pong game on an app. And you can send it, say, hey, you know, you don't, you don't have to be on the, on the app itself. But if you send a text message that says, do you want to play? And you actually play it within your text message thread. It's called Game Pitch. And I would imagine a lot of people listening have at least heard of it or they've played it before because there's darts, there's basketball. But 
to go back to, I guess, our college days, we did beer pong. And we decided, with all of us kind of in a group chat, just sitting around at home with nothing to do because of what's going on, the circumstances, we created a 16-team double elimination bracket, and we played we played beer pong. And it lasted like three hours. We were FaceTiming with each other, and it wasn't like hanging out. But so far, so good. One first weekend, we really can't do anything. Um, I feel like we made the most of it. But really, what's, what's, what's just crazy to me is like when I go out and leave for work in the morning, yeah. or when I come home for that matter in the afternoon, just to see that there's nobody nobody out. It's just it's, it's eerie. It really is. And what, what I've been really harping on here in the last week or so is that how quickly this all came about. I mean, yeah. I left for Greensboro on a, on a, was it a Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday morning at 10.30 right after my show ended. And then within a, I was on the road for 15 hours total in about 24 hours time because I showed up, slept, got up to track this thing, knew we weren't going to play it, and got the road and came home. So it's just a matter of me driving. We had sports that were going to be happening with fans, and then no fans, no tournament, I mean, no conference tournament, the no NCAA tournament, no NBA. And by the time I got back to Louisville, you know, sports essentially was just done and on, and on a complete hiatus. And then by the time we ended the weekend, everything else with no restaurants, no gyms, uh, no bars. Uh, it's just, it's been, it's, it's just crazy. And I think what's really, really just made it unreal is that how quickly it all happened. And also the fact that we don't know when it's going to end. We don't know when we're going to be able to get back to our normal lives. Yeah, I, I've used this example. First of all, um, you know, I had a, it was amazing. I recorded um, a couple weeks ago the podcast on late Wednesday, which was the day Rudy Gobert came down with everything. But I recorded it right after Mark Emmert, um, right after Mark Emmert announced that games would be played but without fans in the stands. And I was still on the whole fans should be allowed in if they want to, shame on the NCAA, blah, blah, blah. And so it quickly escalated. And so I, listen, and I've said this on the show, I'm not afraid to admit it. You know, my opinion evolves as new information comes about. And I had some pretty archaic takes that sounded pretty bad even a day after I put them out. Uh, But the the example that I always use, and I'm going to use a couple sick name drops here, but I interviewed Bill Walton on Tuesday night at the Pac-12 tournament, uh, they had a bunch of open. They had a bunch of practices, and after the practices, him and I sat down, and it didn't even cross my mind. And I know Bill Walton's a little bit of a different guy, probably not the guy to ask about, you know, medical emergencies. But it didn't even cross my mind to ask him a question about coronavirus. Do you think that's going to impact anything? Um, and 48 hours later. All of sports was canceled. And so, like, that is how quickly this all happened. And that was the insane part to me to go from talking to Bill Walton, not even thinking about it. And by the way, I did a radio interview that night where somebody asked me, Do you think we could play the tournament without fans in the stands? This was the day before Mark Emmert had made the announcement. And I said, I do. Uh, and the, the host thought I was crazy for saying it. So, to go from 48 hours from that mindset to where we were to, you know, like you said, three days later, we're in California by, or at least in LA County, by the end of the day, Sunday last week, so now eight days ago, uh, all of our gyms were closed, all of our restaurants were takeout only. It was surreal how quickly it all came together. Um, 24 hour stretches felt like days at a time. It, it's just, it really is still. Even now that we're a week, ten days, whatever into it, it is still insane to think about all of it. Well, and I remember you texting me when you were getting ready to go talk to Bill Walt, and that was the night before I left for my trip. 
And just hearing you share that because of everything that's changed since then, that felt like that was six years ago. Yeah. Uh, and that's just, that's, I don't, and, and I know people are saying, like, God, I can't believe it's only been a week without sports. And they're right because it has been a slow week because we quit in sports, no matter what it is. Even if you're not a fan of certain sports, sports brings us so much in just our social lives and it's such a distraction from our, you know, from our real world. Um, but it's not just the fact that it's only been a week since sports have been gone. I mean, it's everything else that's been impacted. And when I say people have been impacted, I don't mean as if they're all, you know, out of jobs, but just the things you used to just assume were never going to be taken away. Your ability to go to the dance gym yep. is gone. And if you were to ask somebody a month ago, what would, what would happen to where nobody can go to gyms, nobody can go to restaurants, nobody can go to pubs? And I would say, I mean, because I wasn't following this coronavirus thing at all, really. I knew what it was. I mean, the first thing that hit, hit my radar is I was in Boston when they had one of the first confirmed cases in the United States. Hmm. And I kind of not joked about it, but like, I'm not worried. But, you know, they did give me a mask in the airport because they, that time they didn't realize that, hey, it won't help me. It's it, the mask for people who have it. But anyway, what I'm getting to is if you had told somebody weeks ago, months ago, that we were going to be at this point where you can't go out and do these things you've always been able to do. I don't think many would have been able to guess what got us here. And here it is. It's a pandemic, and it's a scary situation. I do think we'll get back to uh, being normal at some point. I do think that these actions taking place are very much more precautionary than, you know, at risk of us just walking around and, and, and dying. Um, but it's uh, it just uh, here we are. I mean, it seems like it's been a long time. It really has, and it's been about 10 days since things really changed. And it just doesn't seem real to wake up and think, okay, this is I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't go to my office. I have to work from home for two weeks. So um, it's wild times, man. I'm I'm 31. I know you're a little bit older than me, not much, but we'll we'll, we'll talk about this more 80 and, and tell people about how crazy it was. No, 100. percent And what you said is right. And it's why, from a sports perspective, I've always had this problem with people kind of crushing Rudy Gobert for his reaction and you know the way that he acted and touching microphones and all that stuff is like dude we were all like that everybody had that thought of like this isn't a big deal and like I said I went from one day to another completely changing my perspective of how serious it is and obviously I didn't really by the, by the time I re-recorded the, the games had already been canceled but um playing without fans, all that stuff. And so, no, I agree 100%, and uh, it is surreal. Uh, there have been a couple news topics that I just want to just bounce off of you um, because, you know, it's what we do when you come on the show. Sure. Um, and, you know, most of them I've talked about since the last time I recorded – Nothing really major has happened. Uh, Anthony Edwards has declared for the draft. Trey, Young, Trey Jones from Duke has declared for the draft. And I think that process is really going to pick up in earnest over the next week. Uh, but other than that, not much has changed. You know, I talked uh, the last two episodes about Rick Pitino. I talked about the NBA draft process, etc. I would just ask you real quick. I mean, obviously, it, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about Rick Pitino, you coming on this show. Uh, you live in Louisville. You covered Rick Pitino teams for many years, for most of your career. Um did you were you surprised? Speaking of coming together quickly, I mean that went from he's left Greece to he is the Iona coach in a matter of like two hours. But uh, did that all hit you as as surprisingly as it certainly hit me? I, I was not expecting everything to come down so quick. But uh, just quick thoughts on Rick Pitino. Yeah, so I was in Greensboro uh, for a brief amount of time before I had to turn around. So I stayed there Wednesday night. And Wednesday night that was the night that everything happened: Rudy Gobert, NBA suspension. 
Uh, they announced the next day they weren't going to allow fans in. And, of course, they announced they were canceling the whole tournament. That night I was out to dinner uh, because there's plenty of people still around the sure. UFL basketball program in some capacity. They were there when Rick was there, and they know him. They know his family. They know his close friends. Uh, and somebody at dinner told me, hey, um, see what you can see what you can figure out about this because <laughs> everybody says Rick Pitino's going to Iona. Well, then, if you remember, the next night, Grand Canyon fi- fired Dan Barley. And everybody just assumed that Rick was going to be a candidate there, which I thought that kind of made sense because that's the kind of job I could see him having to take. But then I thought about it, and I knew that that's his region up there in the Northeast. Uh, there's a good connection there. Before Kevin Willard was at Seton Hall, he was at Iona. Kevin Willard was a former Patino assistant. Ralph Willard is a close, close friend uh, with Rick Patino, who's Kevin Willard's father. So it made sense. Uh, I, I'm not surprised that Iona was willing to say, hey, uh, we know obviously the past and whatnot, but we're willing to make this hire to essentially make a splash, and, and, and I think he'll do well there. And that's actually a pretty good job for what it is. I agree. So uh, it, it came together pretty quickly, and I think for those, because I actually did some radio interviews that Saturday um, with, with some national shows who were just looking for a guy on a Saturday who could talk about uh, what you know, Rick Pacino, and I, I, I got crushed by some people who, who, seek, who, was, who were seeking me out to tell me I was an idiot because I think they hear what they want to hear. Sure. They hear it as if I'm defending Rick Pacino, and I'm not. But if Rick Pitino, um, if, I'm sorry, if Bill Self, Will Wade, Sean Miller, I mean, if those guys can can get a, or keep a job, I don't see why Rick Pitino can't get one. Because if you're going to not hire Rick Pitino, you're going to not hire him because he clearly either was involved or had no what's going on with his program. I think that's actually what makes him the most unhirable is that you had people testifying in federal court that, yeah, he had no clue what was going on. Like, he's kind of crazy. He's a big doofus. I mean, that's kind of what it sounded like from some of the testimony. Uh, and, again, that doesn't mean he didn't deserve to be fired from Louisville. He did. In fact, if he'd have gotten fired from the Katina Powell scandal, the whole Brian Bowen FBI thing probably would have never happened because he wouldn't have been here. So if the NCAA ends up coming – and then here's another thing that, that, that has really generated some buzz in Louisville this week is that I own it. We don't know if they got word from the NCAA because they were asked, what are you going to do if you get hit, if your coach gets hit and you just hired him by the NCAA? And they said, we have no reason to think that's going to happen. Now, that's them just saying what they need to say, or that's them. Maybe they talked to somebody and said, mm. you're good, go ahead and do it. Because well, Rhode Island apparently wanted to hire him. Yep. And they said that they took it up the ladder and essentially said, you know, you can do what you want, but be prepared what's going to come. And when it happened, the other FBI details hadn't come out from the testimony. So, uh, honestly, Louisville feels as if if Rick Pitino doesn't get punished, how is Louisville going to get punished? Well, and because I'll, hold nobody that, else is yeah, there. Hold that thought for a second because I do, I do have a follow-up on that that I want to talk about. But I do agree, and I've talked about it on this show. Um, first of all, I agree that, like, you know, people – still to this moment ask me how does Sean Miller have a job how does Will Wade have a job and I will tell you by the way that Christian Dawkins documentary is coming out I have seen it I will get the director on this show maybe uh, as early as next episode I I actually already did the interview just figuring out when's the best time to run it Uh, it is a fascinating interview I don't really know that it makes like Sean Miller and Will Wade look terrible it actually frankly makes the FBI look terrible but it is a great documentary I encourage you to see it but I don't disagree that if those guys have jobs, if Bill Self has a job, that Rick Pitino wasn't ultimately going to get a job. And I talked about it on last uh, Monday's show, where essentially 
It only took one out of 353 schools, and I said it like this, Nick. I said it really only took one out of 353 times three because this is now the third offseason in a row that he was available and somebody was going to take the plunge. Um, And so, listen, I'm with you. I think it's a good job. I think he is going to actually – um, he inherits already a good situation. I think he's going to have success there. Uh, maybe we'll talk about the success in a minute. I did want to bring up what you said about the NCAA, though, because this was kind of one of my points, and maybe I'm looking at it from the wrong perspective, but maybe I can make you look at it from another perspective. Is What I said on the show was, I think it'll be interesting, is guys like me that have no affiliation with any of these schools, You know what I always say and what I truly believe is, if the school does their due diligence, if they fire the people that they're supposed to fire, I don't like seeing schools get punished, right? UConn got banned from the 2013 NCAA tournament because of academic infractions from five, six years before when none of those players were there. And so what I said, Nick, and tell me if I'm crazy, I actually think this is the NCAA's get-out-of-jail-free card with Louisville in the sense that you had to punish Louisville in some way, shape, or form, but we know that the coach that was there, Rick Pitino, is gone. We know that the AD that was there, Tom Jurich, was gone. Um, but you still got to punish him, but you don't really want to punish Chris Mack. You don't want to punish the players. None of them were there. None of them did anything wrong. I feel like this is actually the NCAA's get-out-of-jail-free card to say, well, Louisville, you're going to get a couple scholarship reductions or whatever, but the guy that we're going to go after was the guy that was there um, and he's back in college, and we can actually go get this guy now. Am I crazy for thinking that? No, because, I mean, I don't even know what time. I mean, he, somehow he survived not getting lack of institutional control uh, whenever the Katina Powell thing happened because this is another one of those rarely mentioned things that is important. NCAA did determine that he couldn't have even there – no, there was no way he could have seen a red flag. Now, clearly, out of sight, out of mind, maybe that was by design. But he actually himself, he lost a banner, and he, um, you know, the, 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 the team uh, was, um, you know, essentially developing the wins and all that, so they didn't get any punishment would be silly. But for him directly, he had a five-game suspension, and it wasn't from the NCAA, it was from the ACC. Yep. So uh, this may be their chance to say, yes, we actually did take you at your word, you still have to vacate wins because the nature of what went on is just awful. There's no punishment too severe for that. And you have to vacate the games because players perceive impermissible benefits. But then again, we can't put a price tag on a sexual act. I mean, it's, it was, it's such, a, such a unique case the NCAA has never had to deal with before. Um, but Rick himself, personally, he was still going to be able to coach. He didn't get his show cause. He got a suspension from his league, not from the NCAA. So to, to kind of further that, maybe now they'll say, yeah, we let you personally kind of kind of get off last time, but not this time. And if they do that, then Louisville can get a lighter. I mean, how much time that's going to pass. Any punishment that is going to hit Mac and these players, it just fundamentally makes no sense. And I know it's not about that because there have been plenty of players, including ones at Louisville, that have had to pay the price for things they had nothing to do with, had no control over. Um, but think about this, and I keep I keep mentioning this on on my show because there are other shows, including those of, of you know that that, uh, that speak to more so the other side of the fan base in this state that Louisville's gonna Louisville's Louisville's screwed because they had a good team and they're not going to see the tournament for a while because of their punishment that's coming, and that may be the may be the case. But I'll tell you this: Louisville won't be the first, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth or the six to get their punishment because you know what? Some reason they've not got a notice allegation. 
all these other schools have. Kansas has already submitted their defense. Yep. I'm not saying Louisville won't get hit. They will. They're going to get a notice of allegation. This may be karma. Maybe they'll get it today. I don't know. I will doubt it because, honestly, they probably bought themselves some time considering the NCAA is not really worrying about investigations. <laughs> they're worrying about how they're going to survive yep. for missing the NCAA tournament. So my point is, for Louisville, they're, they're, they haven't even come close to getting a punishment. Other schools have. They've already either give, been given the notice or some of them have responded to it like Kansas. So when I say that people make it sound as if I'm trying to say Louisville's in the clear, they're not going to get in trouble, but they haven't even gotten a notice yet. And the investigation, as far as somebody being in town, this took place nearly a year ago. So um, I do think there's something there that if they really wanted to look at the situation big picture and say, we got to do something, but where we want to make it hurt, we can do it at Iona with Rick Pitino. Makes perfect sense. Um, makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. And I am still and, – and, you know, for, for a fan, and this is what I always try to explain as far as the, the punishment is concerned, is that there is a process in terms of you get your notice of allegations, uh, which is the NCA's report on what you did wrong. Uh, then you have time to appeal and all that stuff. And so to your point – um, Kansas has gotten it. NC State has gotten it. Um, I think Arizona maybe has gotten it, but I'm not positive. But all this stuff is coming down the pike, and Louisville, interestingly, uh, has not received their uh, their paperwork. So, real quick, Rick Pitino. Creighton won't, won't confirm it, but they apparently have gotten it. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I'll tell you this. The, the Christian Dawkins documentary, now that the audio and video is out, I think may change some things, but we'll see. Um, on the court, <clears throat> excuse me, Rick Pitino, um, I think he's going to be really good. And it's funny, like I was listening to another college basketball podcast and one of the hosts kind of asked, you know, can Rick Pitino make a sweet 16 over these next couple of years? And the other host said no. Uh, and I thought that was preposterous because one, the NCAA tournament's crazy and anything can happen. But two, Rick Pitino, say what you want about him. And I think everybody would agree about this is regardless of what you think about his off the court stuff and the the way he the program ran under him whether he was directly involved or not the guy is a brilliant X's and O's guy a brilliant player developer um I think he's gonna be really good even those, even those that hate him would not disagree with what you just said and I and, and I think most smart people listening to this podcast would agree with exactly what I just said so um I, I think this was already a good job. This was maybe the best job in its league. Um, I think he's going to be able to, especially in this world of the transfer market, get players that he otherwise might not be able to because they know he can help them get to the NBA or to a professional contract or to whatever. I actually think he's going to be really good. What does that mean? A couple, you know, maybe a, a, if he's there five years, a, you know, three tournaments and a Sweet 16. I think he's going to be really good, and I think he's going to have a ton of success. And my understanding of the way the contract is written out is that he's basically going to end his career there. Maybe you've heard differently, but I, somebody told me that he's basically got like a $10 million buyout. So if um, you know a Power 5 school wants to come in, they're really going to have to pay an arm and a leg to get him. So it sounds like he's going to be there for the rest of his career. And assuming nothing comes down from the NCAA, uh, I think he's going to be really good. I really do. Yeah, and... and- Honestly, look at the timeline here. Not that he's, you know, near death or anything, but for him to really blow it up there and make it work, it would take a, be a little bit of time. And at that point, as you mentioned, how the contracts laid out, the amount of money, it would take a it would take a blue blood wanting to hire a guy who's, you know, in his mid seventies, close to eighty. And I just don't think that there would be. A, I don't think he can do enough at Iona 
to where somebody would see that as a justifiable decision to make. So I do think he'll, I mean, never say never, but I feel like the last two years or so have probably humbled him more than anything can uh, to where he would never take a, you know, the fact that he, I mean, a lot of people said for sure he'd never coach again. And sure enough, he degrees, did a great job there in that situation. And at Iowa, I think he'll do a good job there. But um, one, I don't think there'll be as many suitors even if he does have some success because of obvious reasons, of course, his age. Uh, but I think, in a way, he kind of knows I'm not gonna I'm not gonna flirt with disaster here. I'm just lucky to be back in the game. Um, what was I gonna ask you? Oh, the thought about him saying that he believes that he deserved to be fired at Louisville. I so I said on last episode, this is the thing that you say, and I did the annoying sports talk radio guy analogy where I compared it to relationships. But it's like, you know, when you first break up. It's always the other person's fault, and then time goes on. You meet somebody else. Life's good. Blah blah blah. And you say, "Well, you know, it was you know, I could have done things differently." And blah blah blah. I know that you probably have a different perspective than I do on the guy. I think he was just completely bsing. I think he is a master at saying what is the right thing to say at that particular moment. I don't know that he really believes it. I think it was the right thing to say. I'm not going to discredit him for saying it, but uh, I didn't. I, I don't buy it. I don't buy that a year ago he's trying to sue Adidas, he's trying to recoup his money at Louisville, and a year later he's had this crazy come-to-Jesus moment. I think it's more just him realizing, like, okay, I got what I wanted, I'm back in the sport that I want to be in, I don't have to go back to Europe, uh, and he's just saying what he knows is the right thing to say. Oh, I don't even know if it was like him feeling like it's just what he's supposed to say because this is a man that at many times just – veered away from saying something. He doesn't have to even make it believable. Just say it, and you might make things better. Sure. He, he, did, he defied that for years. And made, I mean, had he just said that like he did two years ago, I really think a lot of things would have been different for him as far mm. as how he's looked at here. He, he tried to sue Louisville. Um, but no, I don't, I don't think any differently it would break after he said that at all. I just thought it was insane that he said it because that is so off-brand. You know, I know people who know him, uh, at least knew him pretty closely, and he... He's pretty sour about everything Louisville. Uh, he'll, he, uh, if he was in front of a camera, he might say something different to just, again, say what he thinks is going to sound good. But he doesn't, he doesn't like Louisville much at all, and there's never really any interest in doing anything um, with the fan base or anything like that. But just the fact that he, you know, people who know him said that they, they thought they would see hell freeze over before he would ever say that. I mean, just because for him, and he did, so if you really read the quote and listen to it, he also claimed he had no, he did nothing wrong, but he just said, you know, it's my fault I, I fired him. The, the, the axe or the sword or whatever has to fall on me. So he admitted he deserved to be fired, but he also maintained that he did nothing wrong and he's still innocent. Um, so it was a way in which he said it. But just the fact that those words came out of his mouth, looking back, I made a lot of excuses and I deserve to be fired at Louisville. I still think Rick, I still think the same Rick Pacino now than I did five years ago before anything has happened. Um, it's just the fact that he actually said it. Because um, he, this is a guy who's honestly, I don't know of anybody whose ego has ever really. I mean, I've never covered anybody in my in my life of doing this like Rick Pitino, just because he's a larger than life figure. I mean, he just is. He's not a down to earth guy by any means. He doesn't try to be. Um, he's just he's 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 unique. Um, Calipari's the same way. Not to compare their personalities, but clearly they are larger than life legend both if you will of, of their sport um but with rick i mean his he talks so much about humility yet he had none 
and he had literally the biggest ego of anybody I could think of. And I don't know him personally, so it's not as if I'm comparing him to like my friends. But that showed at least, even if he didn't mean it, the fact that he said it, it did. It, it was a little bit of a hit to his brand, if you will, and that's just what really floored me. Yeah, and I will say really quick, uh, it was funny because, and I think I told this on this podcast, but I was doing a radio interview the day after he got hired, or maybe two days after, it was that Monday maybe, and it was so funny because a buddy of mine said, you know, he they were talking about the Providence quote, the Providence quote of, you know, that my biggest regret in life is leaving Providence and blah, 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 this and that, and my buddy says, dude, like, is he trolling us? Like, why would he say something like that? And I said, he's not trolling. I said, he's exactly what Rick Pacino has said so many things oh, I know. that we know are not true, that we know he doesn't believe, well, but he just says them. And he, he, honestly, it's, it's, a, it's a gift to what we do, and to reacting <laughs> to what he says, because he, he's, he's, he's a treasure in, in that regard. But well, yeah, but that's a, that Providence quote is a perfect example of Rick Pacino being Rick Pacino. Yeah, 100%. That's what I said. Is that, First of all, he said on this podcast, the one that we are on right now, that the biggest regret of his life was hiring uh, Andre McGee. We know that he said the biggest regret of his life was leaving Kentucky. But what I said was exactly what what you just referenced a minute ago, which is very simply that um, you know that 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 um, this is a guy that has had to answer to no one for so long that he has been on the top of the mountain for so long. I mean, this was a guy that was the coach of the New York Knicks, which at the time was arguably the most prominent job in sports or in in basketball at the very least. This was 35 years ago that this guy was the coach of the New York Knicks or maybe 32 years ago, whatever. So this guy has been on top of the mountain for so long that his world is so um, distorted that – it is what it is, but I, I, I find it funny for people like you, people who aren't like you, who didn't cover him every day, people that maybe not quite like people who listen to this podcast, who uh, don't understand what this guy is like on a day-to-day basis. I find it funny that they're kind of just first getting into this world of, this guy is freaking insane, man, and he says some really, really wild stuff. Yeah, and Chris Mack is not exactly a... Um, I mean, he he has personality. He is uh, somebody that is more personable and relatable than a lot of coaches. But, man, think about him compared to Rick Pacino. Mm-hmm. But I used to go to press conferences, whether it be midweeks or after games, and just think, man, what is he going to say now? Talking about Rick Pacino, because he, he would say insane things, like <laughs> that Grand Canyon was the best environment he's ever played in college basketball, which I understand that is a crazy atmosphere for the kind of place that it is. But that's just another Rick Pacino quote. It's just absurd. Um, but with Chris Mack, after I hear his reaction to a loss or his reaction to a win or his reaction to some news, I kind of sit back and think, yeah, I guess that's what I've, I would have expected him to say. And I guess in a way I do, just not ever knowing where he's going to take something because that's just who he was. He was a kid. And honestly, Calipari does that now. I listen to Calipari, and he says things that, 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 that we know he doesn't believe. Like, And fans kind of just laugh at him. If you can win, nobody cares. But like him saying he still had no clue what anybody was talking about, about the Ashton Hagen money video, uh, and that Ashton Hagen told him that he was uh, needed some personal time and he wasn't actually serving a suspension. Like, This is a guy who's literally looking at his fan base and saying things that he doesn't believe, and he knows they won't believe, but it's just Cal being Cal. And when you're a legend like that, you can do it. It's just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's fascinating how different now these coaches in in my area are, whereas for a long time we had kind of two of the same guys to an extent. Well, how about Coach K uh, yelling and screaming at the uh, Duke fans when Jeff Capel, they're booing Jeff Capel. I mean, that was the all-time, like, this guy's out of his mind. Like, he's just a crazy old man, and nobody has told him no for 40 years, 
and he's just going to do whatever the hell he wants. That was maybe uh, my favorite moment of the season. I didn't even really talk about it because like, I didn't have any hysterical take on it. But if there's ever an example of just a guy that's just been in power and never had to answer to anybody way too long, it's Coach K screaming at the Cameron Crazies to calm down and stop booing Jeff Capel because he's one of us. I mean, that was some all-time stuff. Well, that and, you know, this is the, the Coach K doing that and, like, lecturing his fans at halftime because they're, you know, it just it was, it was absurd. And honestly, if I was Capel, I would have not liked that. I would have said, come on, you're making me look like a man. Yeah. Um, but also, like, Tom Izzo is one of those guys that, um, you know, he's one of the legends, too. And, you know, him demanding Michigan State fans stay off Twitter because <laughs> he thought that in, when his team loses, their players were uh, being being hit with too much negativity and when they win they were being propped up too much so he's like at his press conference urging fans to get off twitter and it's just like what are you talking like no (laughs) the fact that you think that's how this works no like you should maybe just tell your players that hey there's going to be some good and some bad that comes with you being on social media and playing at this level but it's it's another example of coaches just being in their own bubble because they they've kind of mean 20 years from now you may have coaches that are as successful and have the credentials and resumes of some of these guys we're talking about, but they're not going to act like that because times have just changed, right? I mean, the new, the new cool and the new way to do it is to be relatable, be like a Chris Beard, who people just kind of see as more of a of a regular guy. Bro. But of course, he's not really regular because he makes a ton of money and he's super successful at what he does. But that's the new that's the new way to really stand out. Imagine being an up and coming coach with all the success and you're new to it and you acted like a Shashevsky or you acted like a Pacino. People would think you were the worst. Well, yeah, but I also think that goes back to what I said a minute ago of I don't think you get that way overnight. I think you get that way of nobody telling you no for 40 years. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Rick Pitino ran this city. I mean, yeah. I mean, it is kind of crazy to look back at everything that happened, and yet he still, I mean, his boss still never fired him. He had to bring in a guy who was, you know, literally a hired gun to clean things up because Tom George and Rick Pitino had so much power and there was nobody that was going to stop him. All right, very good. So I do have a long interview coming up with uh, my buddy Dan Lust, a, a sports law expert. A lot of interesting stuff on the coronavirus, so I encourage everybody to stay tuned and listen to that. Uh, anything else on your plate, Nick? Anything else that's interesting you? Uh, are you watching games from 30 years ago? Uh, anything else? Anything else that we haven't talked about uh, that you want to get in uh, right now? I would say really quickly as we part ways here, I would say that if you find something that can help you pass the time, go for it. I don't care what it is. As long as you're not hurting anybody and it's just enjoyment to you, go for it. But I will tell you this. I cannot watch old games. Me neither. It doesn't do anything for me. It, it, it actually makes me miss basketball even more. I crave real games that matter that haven't already taken place. I cannot do it. And that's all these networks can do now to fill this time. So it's not their fault. But, like, I just I, I cannot understand people who sit around and have, like, a watch party for a game that took place 10 years ago, 20 years ago, two years ago. I just I, I don't get it. I can't do it. If I know, even if I don't know the result, I don't care because it's not real. So I don't want to criticize those that do, but I'm just telling you I'm not doing that. I'm not doing bracket simulation. I mean, either. You need to get a tournament. That I just I can't. That just to me, again, I know I probably sound uh, like I'm contradicting myself because if you want to do it, you want you want to have some fun, knock yourself out. But I, I cannot think of anything I'd rather do less than that. Well, yeah, and it was funny. I had somebody reach out that said that I should take Joe Lenardi's final bracket and do it. And I almost did it. And then I didn't because that's not really like my style. And I will tell you this, though. I saw <laughs> right before we started recording one of the New York-based uh, papers, New York Times or Post or whatever, 
They they apparently ran a simulation and they had Seton Hall winning the national championship over Duke. And maybe it was because it was a New York paper, whatever, who cares. It just made me so sad because I thought about like, oh shit, like Trey Jones guarding Miles Powell. Like that would be so awesome. And it just made me so sad. And I still don't think... Yeah, I don't even... That, that's that's why I don't go there because I don't even want to think about those things. Like, I... I the good, I, honestly, and this is really unpopular. I'm glad we didn't get a bracket, and I feel like some way those kids should know if they were going to get in or not, especially of those on the bubble and the smaller schools. Because I get it, but for me to be selfish, I would, I would never, because I can, I can do them. Like the, the, what might have been is always going to be there, but it would be there more so if we got to look at a real bracket and we try to project it, because we don't know what it would have looked like. It makes it to where I can at least kind of just say, yeah. We'll never know, and you know, try to move on from it. I just, I, I think it's just the way I'm wired mentally. But what you said, that situation about thinking about that matchup between Powell and Trey Jones and and, and Seton Hall, of course, getting there for the first time in forever, making a deep run, like those are just things I don't like to process because you could spend your. I mean, what I told our fan base, Louisville fan base, Bex fan base too, for that matter, just think of just think of think of whatever you want would have happened. Yep. And just go on with that because we'll never know. Well, and it's so funny, and my buddy Dan Beyer, who works at Fox Sports Radio, I was in last Sunday to do the quote-unquote Selection Sunday show, and then there was, of course, no Selection Sunday. He did kind of bring up the point during one of the breaks. He's like, because we did have Scott Drew on, and he was talking about how proud he was of his team, and all these coaches are obviously really proud, but he's like, yeah, all these guys are so fired up, but uh, like some of them would have been upset in the first round. Like, like you know, there's there's probably even more so this year, but probably 10, 15 coaches that thought like, okay, I can really win this thing maybe even more. And it's like, but all y'all wouldn't have won. Like, like one of you would have oh, won. No, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah. uh, I think Chris Mack was sincere when he was talking about how, hey, my team, we weren't perfect, but we were ready to go out there yeah. and see what would happen, and we deserved it, this and that. But Chris Mack... He could have lost in the first round, and his job wouldn't have been in jeopardy. It would have been on the hot seat. It's way, I mean, it, that would have been preposterous, but you would have had people saying that. However, it was very evident. Like it or not, expectations were high in year two. And this year, they had a good year, but they also could easily be labeled as a team that's slightly underachieved. A lot of it had to do with they had very few opportunities to win big games because the ACC was so down. But Chris Mack, what, what he was going to be viewed as a coach in year two was going to be based on what they did in the postseason. Great that's point. it. And and we'll never know. And in a way, uh, I'm not saying he lucked out because man, he could have been bounced in the second round. But like for example, the bracket I saw that um, they, that Lenardi was doing and ESPN, they were simulating Lenardi's last bracket with the BPI, which again, all that's nonsense. But the result was Louisville was a four seed losing to Ohio State at the five seed in the second round. And there's no doubt in my mind that could absolutely have happened. So, mm-hmm. in a way, there is some truth to that. Like, again, I think these these coaches, if they're being sincere, would probably tell you that even if I knew going in, I probably, would, you know, I could have been upset. I was vulnerable for an upset. I still would want my guys to have that moment where they could find out and not have to wonder for the rest of their lives what might have yeah. been. But, yeah, if you also want to look that you can and say that some coaches likely avoided something that would have potentially could have stopped. I'm not saying that's with Max specifically, but other coaches, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Well, yeah, no, and and I will say I did want to bracket more because it, I thought it would have provided some nice closure. 
uh, to the sure. season. And I, I think for like a day. For me, it was just being selfish. That's all. Okay. No. That's all the no, no. reason I give you as to why we shouldn't have got one. No, and all I was going to say was like for a Dayton, I do think it would have been cool for their fans to see like, wow, we were going to be a number one seed. This was the best season in school history. Uh, of course. Seton Hall, Creighton, I've talked about all this, San Diego State, whatever. Florida State had an unbelievable year, more yep. so than they normally do. I mean, Leonard Hamilton probably flames out more often than, than he did not. But no, that's a, that's a team that probably deserved to see where they really stood because it might have been one of the best seats they've gotten ever. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a bummer, but we move on, uh, and we will not be watching old games, even as I have Virginia Texas Tech on in the background. Uh, I'm not like anti old game if I have nothing else going on, but generally speaking, I just I just don't watch them. But uh, that is enough for today. Uh, Nick Coffey, you can hear him still seven to ten Eastern, seven ninety KRD in Louisville. He obviously puts out his podcast every day. So if you're looking for good, you know, sports talk outside of the AT podcast, I encourage you to to listen to Nick. Uh, he is uh, great at what he does. I always love having him on. I I think there's a chance you'll be on more because one, I have less to talk yeah. about solo, but two, you're sitting around your house like the rest of us. So uh, make sure to exactly. follow Nick on Twitter at the Card Connect. Uh, and coming up, I think what will be a very good interview, I think you'll very much enjoy it, Dan Law, sports attorney, uh, he will be talking about all the legal elements of this coronavirus and everything that is coming. That is all for today, for this segment of today's show. Make sure you're subscribed, rate, review, all that stuff. Give us a quick five stars, follow on Instagram, uh, follow Nick on Twitter as well, follow me on Twitter, uh, and Nick, I think maybe we'll talk soon. I don't know, next episode, the episode after, but... I appreciate it, man, and we'll do this again soon, okay? Hope so. Take care. Stay safe. All right, and now here is the legal expert that I've been referencing, Dan Lust, uh, sports law expert. All right, and joining me on the phone now, I'm actually very excited to have this guy on the show. I've gotten to know him a little bit through Fox Sports Radio, uh, and these are very important times, and so me and Nick Coffey had a little fun, a little bit of the lighter side stuff to start the show, but I do want to talk about kind of some serious impact of the coronavirus and what it really just means for the sports world in general, NFL, NBA, uh, UFC, NBA draft, all those kind of things. So I want to welcome on my good friend, name is Dan Lust, he is a sports law analyst, you can follow him on Twitter, at Sports Law Lust, he, and he is an attorney at Goldberg Sagala. So, like, you're a real lawyer here. This isn't some, uh, you know, guy on Twitter, uh, you know, in his basement uh, spitting out theories. Uh, you are a real lawyer, Dan, and you kill it, and uh, I genuinely appreciate you making some time, my man. No problem. I am a real lawyer. My uh, JD is, uh, I haven't had to turn it in yet, uh, but I, uh, you know, in my day-to-day, I'm in court um, basically five days a week. I'm writing briefs, writing motions, but uh, on the side, I am a, as big of a sports fan as they come, so when it comes to these legal sports issues, you know, or something like a coronavirus serious issue, uh, you know, I try to get all over it. Well, you are probably the smartest person to ever be on this podcast, so congratulations on that. <laughs> uh, first Thank of all, I, I was going to say, first of all, how is uh, you? You're based in New York. How is how are you handling the quarantine? I don't know, um, et cetera. If you're able to, if you're able to decompress and watch TV, or you're still working from home. I mean, just just in general, how are you doing? Are you okay? I hope your whole family's okay over there in New York. Yeah, so I mean, well, listen. You can read, you can buy into the news, whatever you want. Some of it, some of it is what it is. I mean, but you know, we're we're here, we're in lockdown. I'm, I'm probably like everyone listening to this podcast. I'm watching replays of March Madness from uh, 2008. I watched, I watched that. Uh, I've never seen it before. That 1982 uh, uh, Georgetown North Carolina final. They watched that yesterday. 
Um, you know, with Jordan, James Worthy, Patrick Ewing, you know, you, we're doing whatever you can to stay safe. Uh, Aaron, I will admit that I have started to dabble into wrestling because there is nothing else on <laughs> But, uh, you know, it, it is one of the serious times, you know, we kind of, kind of abide by what we have over here. We have a kind of a limited lockdown. So I'm kind of humper down, uh, with my dog and, you know, get, get in whatever, whatever sports I can. Yeah, it was kind of amazing. Um, FS1 was showing Australian rules football, and they made this big promotion all week about how it was the only live sport available and tune in, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then we go live on Saturday night during my radio show. Uh, to, to We don't go live, but you know we turn on FS1, and they are themselves announcing that they are shutting down the league effective Monday. So basically, we, we have essentially no live sports anywhere in the world, and this is kind of very serious. And so, you know, we're going to get into kind of the nuance of everything, but, but I just kind of want to start in the bigger picture. Um, what was your reaction the night Rudy Gobert comes down with this illness, test positive, uh, and the NBA cancels their season? I mean, were you like the rest of us sitting on the couch? I mean, I was in Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament. A lot of people listening, maybe at the SEC tournament or Big Ten tournament or whatever, uh, kind of realizing this thing is, is expediting, you know, this thing's speeding up really quickly. What was your reaction when you first saw that first Rudy Gobert breaking news now 10 days ago? Sure. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny. You know, I'm, I'm in New York, and when you're seeing on the news, people say that New York has the most positive cases, which is, which is true. So, you know, I think we in New York were a little bit on higher alert. Um, you know, on my, my sports law end, I was just kind of thinking how the league would deal with this. You know, if they were going to suspend, I know there was a ton of talk, and I think, Aaron, you know, the weird sports fans really started to see this was when LeBron James, about the week before, had said, you know, the NBA is considering playing games without fans, but LeBron goes, I'm not going to play without fans. Um, so that's really the first time one of the big athletes had touched upon coronavirus. So, you know, basically a couple of days after that is when the Rudy Gobert thing goes in. So, you know, we went to the athletes talking about, oh, I don't want to play with fans, to almost, you know, a suspension of the season. And, Aaron, you know, I mean, after reading the CBA, there's an angle where the actual NBA season gets canceled to entirety. So, you know, where I was, you know, I was, um, you know, I was actually sitting in my car. I was listening to, uh, you know, the Knicks game was on, and then I hear that, you know, breaking news that the uh, Jazz Thunder game has been, you know, canceled at the last second right before tip off. So, you know, it, it's, you know, hopefully, you know, I, I mean, I'm, you know, on a another serious note, I remember where I was when I saw the Kobe Bryant news, um, and I will always remember where I was when I heard the Rudy Gobert. Scary scene, but you know, um, at least when it comes to basketball, there's a fantastic commissioner at the top of the helm, you know, um, you know, Adam Silver, who really set in motion this entire chain of events that affected the entire sports landscape. And now, like, you know, Aaron, it's now affecting other countries like Australian, you know, Australian rules football, Australian rugby. Um, yeah. I think the only sports that I've seen is like Turkish soccer, which <laughs> uh, I will, I, I have watched Turkish soccer in the past 48 hours. Wow, it, it is what it is. It's a quarantine life. So, no, and I'm 100% with you is I, I vividly remember and I will remember where I was uh, when the Rudy Gobert news broke. Um, and I had the same thought. I said, this is going to change everything. So let me ask you a really kind of dumb question based off that. When Adam Silver decides to shut down the season and subsequently all these other leagues and, of course, the NCAA kind of being its own governing body elects to shut down the NCAA tournament, spring sports, et cetera. How much of that, and this is obviously a little bit of speculation on your part, but how much of that is is protecting the athletes, making sure they don't get sick, God forbid, you know, more serious than that, uh, but how much of it is just the very simple legal liability? Because I had someone smart like you reach out to me 
uh, pretty early on in the process, and, and I think it was the Ivy League that was the first one to cancel their conference tournament. And, you know, I had somebody pretty smart say to me, you know, this is about liability. This is about uh, if somebody comes down with this or, God forbid, somebody whatever, um, you know, they can sue the league. They can sue the this. So, so how much of the law angle legally protecting themselves has to do with all these shutdowns and cancellations? So um, it, it's a great question, Aaron. And I should also mention, in addition to being a lawyer, I worked in the New York Times Public Relations Office for five years. So this is kind of in that realm as well. You know, the, the question is, right, the NCAA is going to spin it as they did it for player safety. But from the legal standpoint, obviously they were concerned about a lawsuit. Um, so I guess really really where it begins, there is an area of the law, it's called, uh, you know, it's essentially it's called premises liability. If you're the host of an event, be it Mark Bennett or be it a hockey game, and you're, you know, the New York Rangers or you're, you know, um, for your, you know, one of these teams hosting one of these conference tournaments, you as the host team or the conference, whatever it is, whoever is employing the staff that uh, put together this event, you, you could potentially be liable if you're providing a place that's not safe for fans to watch games. And in that same note, you could be potentially liable to your players if you're not providing a safe place for them to play the game. So that's step one. And I mean, these, these lawsuits when you're dealing with potential, you know, uh, professional players, those guys make a ton of money. And if they're off the court for any period of time, they could sue for the amount of money that they are losing by not playing because of something careless or reckless that you did. Um, so when you're talking about someone like a Rudy Gobert, there's potentially a lot of money that's at But when it comes, and Aaron, this is to the, the bigger point, you know, when it when it was the Utah Jazz situation with Thunder, you know, how, how many players had to get tested? We, we know. Or how many personnel? It was about 60 people got tested. Oklahoma City State officials basically put all the Jazz officials in a room and got them all tested. Can you imagine what would have happened if God forbid a fan contracted this sure. and they had to somehow test the entire arena of 18,000, 20,000 people? You know, number one, that is a huge safety issue. But number two, the amount of liability that could result in a potential class action lawsuit, that was all in play. Thank God they caught it, and it seemed to be limited to just Rudy Gobert and, and also Donovan Mitchell of the Jazz. But if this had gone any, anywhere further, potentially a rep or one of the reporters who, you know, Rudy Gobert was touching their microphones, this thing really could have mushroomed. So that's when I when I say, you know, Adam Silver did a fantastic job. He really shut this down quick, and it led to this full domino effect which led to Mark Bennett and Kansas. So to answer your question, Aaron, completely, um, you know, I'm, I'll, I'm a part of this train. A lot of people give the NCAA a hard time because they're all about money and they're not connected to an athlete. Um, so do I think that this was, uh, you know, a lot to avoid liability? Sure, I do. Um, but, you know, the NCAA should be applauded in some sense because, they're the only sport in the entire landscape that actually canceled yep. March Madness. They canceled their right NCA, NBA suspended, NHL suspended. You know, uh, baseball switched back. But March Madness, you know, they, they give, give the NCA credit. They shut it down. So you can't just say it was a financial reasoning the other day. All right. So let me ask you this then: What is how does so? And something you and I have kind of talked about off air was this preposterous notion that because Donovan Mitchell tests positive and because Rudy Gobert tests positive and because Rudy Gobert showed symptoms first, that Rudy Gobert automatically gave it to Donovan Mitchell. But what is to say, and I think maybe this window has already passed, but you mentioned, God forbid, a fan in the stands gets it. There's a class action lawsuit. So let's say I'm an Oklahoma City Thunder fan. Five days after going to the game, 
I end up coming down with this illness. And of course, at the time, hypothetically, I would have to get tested and all that stuff and tests were limited. But what is to stop me from saying, well, I, I had a ticket to that Thunder game. I must have gotten it from Rudy Gobert. I'm going after the, uh, the NBA office for all the money they're worth. In my law office, that would be like the fifth craziest lawsuit that I've ever seen. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the point being, people sue for, for crazy stuff all of the okay. time. Okay. Okay. Um, and and you know these lawsuits that you're envisioning wouldn't really be that crazy with you know the, the fear that's flowing around about this. So you know there, there's two there's four elements to lawsuits that they can do. I know I have to get down to the nitty gritty, but you have to show that someone's acting for careless. Uh, and Rudy Gobert, who seems like he had flu-like symptoms, and in response to a question about coronavirus start touching everything, and, and players were saying he was being careless. We saw that microphone scene, he's touching all the microphones. It's pretty clear he's careless, and also because of the fact that Rudy Gobert admitted that he was careless. He posted on his uh, Instagram and apologies that he was careless. So, you know, I think that, that's step one. You can, you can probably get to show that someone was negligent or careless. Same word. The problem is, Aaron, with, with any potential lawsuit, you have to show that someone's careless activities, assuming that they are careless, which Gobert admits they are, that they actually were, the, it's called the proximate cause. It means that, you know, it's like they were the direct cause. And in order to show that something directly caused you to get the virus, you have to rule out all other potential causes. Okay. And the problem, Aaron, you know, when it comes to Donovan Mitchell, sure, he's a lot closer to Rudy Gobert, right? He's in the locker room touching him. A microphone that's touched by a reporter after the fact, that's a lot clearer. But when it comes to a fan, they're, t- they're going to the hot dog vendor, they're going to the theater stand, they're yeah. touching the car, they're in the parking lot. There's just way too many factors. Um, you know, so I, I think a lawsuit is possible. We live in a, a crazy country where people do for crazy stuff, but uh, I, I don't think a lawsuit could win at the end of the day. So this is kind of – and now this is just taking me down a, like a, a YouTube rabbit hole. But So if you were Rudy, Rudy Gobert's lawyer, the dumbest thing that he actually did was to apologize, right? Like, like I know it was hypothetically the right thing to do, but that's setting himself up for potentially – and it doesn't appear as though it happened – Anyone who's come in contact with him potentially suing him because he admitted to being negligent. Is that accurate? That's exactly what it is. So, Ooh, uh, you know, I'm on uh, fire today. Sometimes, yeah, I mean, Aaron, you've seen uh, My Cousin Vinny, right? I imagine yeah. at some point. Of course. Great movie. Great movie. So I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. There's, there's some forms of the law that are interesting that everyone will have heard of. There's something called hearsay. So, you know, you've heard it in Law & Order. Nobody really knows what it means. But hearsay is... You know, if there's some statements out of court that you can't use against somebody. But one statement out of court that you can use against somebody is when the person that you're trying to sue admits to something. Sure. So it's called a, an admission by a party opponent. Okay. So if I'm if I'm going after Rudy Gobert and I want to sue him, I freak out and I blow it up in a giant cardboard cutout and I put it on a stand in front of the jury and I say, step one, I have to show that uh, his acts were careless. And let's just show you Exhibit A. Guess who says it was careless? <laughs> Rudy Gobert. Sure. So not, you know, but I, but again, on the PR perspective, I think it was probably a smart move for him. In sure. addition to the fact that I think he donated five hundred grand, you know, to uh, out of uh, out of work, you know, employees of the arena. So, you know, it, it was a complete PR nightmare for Rudy Gobert and his reputation. So, I think they kind of had to eat that, and I'm sure they consulted with a lawyer like myself to really see if how likely these lawsuits were going to win because of that causation element. So. Very interesting. All right, so let's let's kind of move on to the bigger picture. Um, 
let's say, and you've, uh, you've done an unbelievable job already. This is already the smartest conversation I've already had. L- last big guest I had, Dan, was Bill Walton. So you can imagine uh, the conversation was a lot different than the one that I'm having now. But um, I, have heard, I have heard of Bill Walton. I have heard of him. Well, listen, it, it, w- it was a lot different than this. Let me just tell you. It was a lot of walking in the desert, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, conference of champions. There was a lot going on in that interview, but I, I, this is unbelievable. And so let me ask you very simply this is we talked about, you know, the liability of the Rudy Gobert stuff going forward. What is the liability? Like, like, like I guess what I would ask is when does liability end? Because the thing that I can't wrap my head around, and maybe I'm just a really dumb guy that needs to talk to smart people like you, but you know, if the NBA says, okay, we're going to come back June 1st or May 15th or July 1st or whatever the date is, and we now know that based on studies and based on information, this is not only a winter virus. It could carry into the summer. That's what we're projecting. That's what the smart doctors are projecting, that it's not going to die off when the weather gets better. What happens if the NBA comes back on July 1st, tests all their guys, tests all their girls, whatever, and then a week into the playoffs or the season or whatever it is, somebody comes down with this illness again? Are they going to have to completely shut down? Like, when does liability end where, I I guess, I, I don't even know, where does liability end? Because that's what I'm trying to wrap my head around. What happens if we start bringing back sports in a month, two months, six months, whatever it is, and somebody ends up with this illness? So it should bring up a really important point in the law. There is something called, uh, there's this doctrine called assumption of the risk. Okay. It sounds really fancy. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's basically baseball that says if you go to a baseball game, that you know that there's a chance a foul ball can go and fly to take a hit you in the face. You're aware of that possibility. Same thing like a puck flying into that. Um, the, the problem when it came, at least initially, with respect to this coronavirus outbreak, is we didn't know what was going on. So you, you can't assume a risk that you don't know about. So on, on a first level, Aaron, if you're, you know, I'm sure you've been to a ton of games. I'm sure the listeners have been to a ton of games. If you ever look at the back of your ticket, you go to any game, March Madness, or baseball game, hockey game, if you look at the back of your ticket, it'll always say, you assume the, the extent of known risks. And it says, you know, flying back, flying balls, flying puck. You assume those risks. The, the problem is, We've never seen something like this in our country in the past hundred years. Hmm. That a potential outbreak or a, a, a viral, uh, you know, spread of an infectious disease. I, I looked um, just because I'm I'm always fascinated. That I looked at the Philadelphia 76ers, you know, and I'm sure different teams have this language. I just saw theirs. It says if you assume, you know, all all, all risks, and that the Sixers can't be liable for any harm caused to you as a result by your attendance at this game. So that they have different language. So you'll start to see Aaron. Uh, I imagine there's all of these, these, these tickets, you know, we, we, you know, they're tickets for us, but they are some form of a contract, right? That you're purchasing something. So I expect to see all of those contracts for the ticket language rewritten on the back, and it's number one. But number two, when I talk about assumption of the risk, if you go to an event, see it two months from now, three months from now, you know, you are now walking into a place when this is why the NBA is a little nervous. The NBA opens its doors, and everyone knows there's a potential chance of infection, even though, let's say, the you know, State Athletic Commission states they go back. Maybe there aren't fans that want to go in because they know there's a chance of this potential infection. So I, to answer your question, Aaron, it, it, it's unclear. Right? We don't, it, there could always be liability that results. And I mentioned all the way at the top when we were talking about this Rudy Gobert you know, potential lawsuit. They, there can be any number of lawsuits. Sometimes it's harmful to these teams that they can just get hit with a wave of lawsuits even if they don't win. We're seeing that with the Houston Astros situation. They were getting sued by five, six, seven, eight different people 
I don't think any of those lawsuits will actually prevail because they, they have no validity, right? If it's like, you know, fans suing the Astros for cheating, okay, fans don't really have a cause of action for that. But it is hurting the Astros' bottom line because they're getting to defend all these lawsuits. They lawyers. So I, I think that, that's the worry, and, this, you know, and I just want to be realistic. And the NBA is not going to open their doors if they think there's a, any shred of a chance whatsoever of a potential outbreak. Because, you know, that's what we talked about the NCAA. You know, there's the legal liability, and then there's the PR liability. So, you know, I, I, I don't think it's a big question, and I think Aaron just very quickly, you know, I, I mentioned the LeBron James thing. If a player like LeBron James of his caliber says, you know what, I don't want to play, uh, I don't want to go back to play, you know, I'm personally, I don't care if guys are getting tested, I don't feel like a big of that. So, you know, there's that other shoe to drop, too, because there's nothing in the CBA um, or any type of player contract that says the potential threat of being diagnosed with an illness or a sickness, which is what this is, counts as a reasonable excuse for not playing, right? It's not like mm. the birth of a child or, uh, you know, somebody passing away in the family, which we see all the time. It's seemingly a subjective, you know, injury issue. Guys have flu issues all the time. It doesn't mean that players can stay away from the team. So the NBA's got an issue, and, and all sorts will probably have to issue some new guidance as to people's risk problems. And then I guess there's the final note, um, you know, that's why you're seeing someone like an Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, talking about potentially when the NBA restarts, it's only going to be with a what he calls a group of players, uh, you know, participating uh, in some type of event, some type of basketball. He's not talking about teams, not talking about, you know, specific conferences. He's saying a group of players. So to me, as a lawyer, you're listening to that, that's, very possible just a group of players that are, are comfortable playing and, and based on their risk tolerance, they're okay coming back to the court. And probably will sign some crazy 100-page waiver that the NBA is void of liability. Yeah. So that, that's really what we're looking at. It's a little scary, but, you know, I think uh, it's good like a guy like Silver is really at the forefront of all things sports. Well, and that was kind of going to be a follow-up question is, you know, I, I saw my buddy Colin Cowherd, who's a friend of mine, mention this on his show is that, Almost, I, I could see almost the opposite, where LeBron James does have the largest voice in the league. Uh, this may be his last great shot at winning a championship. And he might, you know, the way he's playing, he's the Tom Brady of, of basketball. He could have three, four, five good years left in his uh, career. But, I mean, we're talking about a potential um, MVP caliber season. We're talking about uh, maybe the Lakers being the favorites after they beat the Bucks and the Clippers right before the end of the regular season. So what is the opposite? I mean, is it just as simple as a 100-page waiver or a 30-page waiver or whatever um, and players that are comfortable playing agree to sign it? Because I do think at a certain point, you know, these guys are, are, are players they want to play. Um, and like I said, I thought it was a good point by Colin of, you know, LeBron James might be looking at it as the, a, a little bit differently than a 22-year-old that's got his whole career ahead of him. He might be saying, man, this is, this is my last shot. This is what I came to L.A. to do. Uh, so what happens at that point if a LeBron or a Kyrie – well, not Kyrie because he's whatever. But, you know, a LeBron or a Giannis or whoever says, I want to play. Let's get this thing going. I don't care what the risk is. So I, I'm not, you know, I, I guess there's, there's two ways to answer this. Number one, uh, there is a collective bargaining agreement in the NBA. It's not like, uh, you know, wrestling where Vince McMahon calls all the shots and he gets to say what happens. Sure. In, in the NBA, um, there is a collective bargaining agreement, but the owners are in charge. They're in charge of the way the NBA works. So pursuant to the NBA's collective bargaining agreement, which is a fancy way of saying the agreement between the, uh, you know, the players and the league, it's the owner's call. And the owner's unilateral call if they want to cancel the season. Doesn't matter what, you know, even though LeBron James is really popular and he has a ton of players, 
on paper, it's the owner's call if they want to cancel the season. And, you know, Aaron, why would they want to cancel the season? Because at the end of the day, it's an investment for these guys. They're not, some of them aren't giant fans like us. Some of them are, like, you know, like a more Cuban. But together, it's just the best bottom dollar. And if they're not confident that fans are going to show up to watch these games, or on the flip side, if they think that, you know, like the Brooklyn Nets, they have four guys that tested positive. And I think the Celtics had a handful of big guys, Marcus Smart being one of them. If they don't want to play the NBA season because they think they're at a competitive disadvantage, they say that they're not forced to go on with the season. The owners get to decide that. So the owners, um, it just per the NBA's the terms of the collective bargaining agreement, they're not, they don't want to be held in the dark for so long. The, the NBA collective bargaining agreement says from 60 days from when Gobert got diagnosed, basically from, from when this kind of pandemic kind of started in the NBA, uh, 60 days from that would be May 10th. So that's the owner's deadline to say if they want to cancel the season. So, um, why, why I bring that up is it doesn't mean that you won't have basketball players playing in some type of game. Um, it just means that the NBA season, uh, as we've seen in a normal way, shape, or form, might, might not look the same because owners are the ones that get to decide if they're going to open up shop at their arenas. Um, but I will say this, Aaron, and it's on a brighter note, it's not all, it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, I'm, I'm like you. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure you're the same way. I grew up playing Madden. I grew up playing 2K. And all these games, and, and the most fun that I ever had, was when I could hit, you know, fantasy draft. And I could sure. just redraft the entire NBA and the NFL as to ever, however I, I saw fit. Um, I would usually have Michael Vick on the New York Giants. That was a lot of fun. Sure, but, sure. Yeah. I bet. I bet, yeah. But but that's that's a type of scenario that we could be looking at. If there really is a group of players that want to sign up, be it a LeBron or a Giannis, Ooh. and, you know, the Bucks owner doesn't want to go for it, there could be a hypothetical fantasy draft, um, and players could be allocated to teams. And it's not just me coming up with this out of thin air, this again is Adam Silver this past week saying but the third option that they're considering is a group of players playing in a giant a giant charity fundraiser to help the American fight. So it, it would be a lot of fun. I know you and I would watch it. It would give us <laughs> a lot of sports. Um, and I, I wouldn't be shocked to see this across the board. That is really fascinating. And, and I had heard this idea. And again, my... Um you know, my pea-sized brain is trying to figure out, okay, well, if, if we're not going to have a season, how are these guys going to play? But that does make a lot of sense. Um, do you have um, an idea? Do you have any speculation as to, and I know you said May 10th would be a day that the owners would potentially uh, have to make a, a, you know, a drop-dead decision. Are we continuing this season or not? Do you have an idea of when sports are going to come back in general? Um I just, you know, you, you hear all sorts of projections, you know, as late as the NBA starting in July, as, as you know, Major League Baseball's already canceled, whatever. Um, when do you think it'll happen? And then I would assume that regardless of what kind of major sport comes first, I would have to assume that to start, we're not going to have any fans in the stands. Do either of those seem at all accurate to you? Um, so I, I think you're probably right. I think the first to come back will probably be basketball, I just, okay. just knowing the landscape. But, um, you know, Aaron, when it comes to this, I mean, I'm, I, I just can look in what I see in the CBA. I mean, I mean uh, put it in perspective, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast, I know I am, I'm a big, I watch all these different futures sets and, and props across the country. Sure. Right now, a lot of these props are offshore, or, you know, coming from offshore betting sites. So, um, you know, in, in times like these, you need things to bet on. And wouldn't you know, the offshore books are putting up lines for the return of various sports. Sure. So, uh, I, you know, I, Aaron, I'm, I'm laughing because there's, there's nothing to do right now, so I'm just in the weeds. I'm looking at offshore betting lines for when basketball is going to come back. I'm counting this. Okay. Um, so, to answer your first question, the NBA line right now, an offshore book for the NBA to return, is July 13th. 
So that's Whew. pretty close to the even money bet for July 13th. So uh, if you want to be specific, it's still before July 13th is plus 120. After July 13th is minus 160. So the bettors that are out there that have found this line are having this trend toward the over of July 13th, which is, you know, that's like month from now. Um, so, you know, I, I it, it's not really looking that, that great, um, but I, I think to your point, if, if we're going to get to the earlier part of that time frame, it probably will not, you know, it probably won't be fans in the stands. Um, football, uh, contrarily, which starts obviously later towards the season, for August, September, that's when there's a time frame you're looking at. Uh, on that same offshore site that I, uh, I, I'm hitting F5 a lot on, I like to mm-hmm. see uh, where the current status is, but sure. it says, uh, you know, will week one as uh, NFL fans in the stands? That's minus 200 as compared to week one with no fans at plus 150. So it looks like once you get to the later part of the summer, beginning of September, that's when the public and the odds makers think that they're going to be fans of fans. So I, I think probably when the first basketball we see, the first sport we see, if it's in July, I think it might be too quick for fans. But the odds makers are smart. The Vegas always wins at the end of the day. They're saying that, you know, it looks like we'll have very close or seemingly full normal, full normalcy once you really get to the end of the summer. Fantastic. A couple more questions. I know you got to run here. Um, first of all, uh, I've seen, I think the WWE is kind of continuing on as planned or relatively speaking, but without fans in the stands. Is that simply because um, they don't have a, a, a union, a players union like the NBA, like the NFL? And then two, does that give us any hope that say a UFC, say major boxing, uh, things that don't have, that aren't as structured at the top, uh, does that mean that those sports, those individual sports, might come back sooner? Aaron, I feel like that question came right from my Twitter timeline. I'm, I feel pretty confident in that. Well, I actually was listening to another smart guy talk to Colin Cowherd, and he said something about the UFC being the first one back. But then I saw that the WWE, like I saw Gronk's big announcement of like, yeah, WrestleMania, two weeks. And I was like, wait a second now, that that can't be right. And by the way, I should mention, your your feed is at Sports Law Lust. L-U-S-T. It's a great follow. I enjoy following you. So I don't think I stole it from your Twitter feed, but if I did, I apologize. I hope I'm not legally liable. I hope there's no, uh, you know, you can't, you, can't, you can't hit me with grand larceny or anything like that, but I apologize. But explain. Go ahead. I'm hey, listening. I, I wasn't, I, I was, I was going to thank you. This is right up my alley, this question. It's like the easiest softball. I have to dug into this research. So, so you're not no pressing means, charges uh, is what you're telling me. I'm, you're I'm, not pre- uh, I'm very you're, so, not, you're not pressing you know, charges uh, is what yeah. you're telling me. That's that's all I care about. So so here's what we're looking at in that sense. Um, it's This, I think, is just, just very fascinating. So I've, uh, you know, in the past uh, week and a half, I'll say I've become a, a wrestling savant. That's the only thing on television. Um, sure. So you're seeing uh, WWE and you're seeing AEW. Um, those are the, the new rival company to WWE. Both of them have been going on. They haven't taken a break. Uh, and they've just been going without Tom without fans and fans. So... From the WWE perspective, why is that? Well, first of all, there's no union, right? There's no union whatsoever. So whatever Vince McMahon says, so something. So if you don't want to, you know, compete, that's fine. You're not going to get paid. So, you know, and, and right now jobs are, you know, an issue. So I don't, I don't think anyone wants to be uh, on the streets at this point. So WWE, I saw Gronk, you know, Gronk made his debut uh, on this past Friday, um, and uh, you know, the WWE is just going on. There's no fans in the stands. It's just it's very interesting. The other part of WWE's perspective, WWE, unlike any of these other sports leagues, like basketball, you know, football, hockey, 
WWE is a publicly traded company. If they were to go on the shelf for any period of time, that stock would absolutely crater. Wow. So I don't think they're part of the luxury of a league like a private entity like basketball or football that can really be careful and cautious for their for their talent. WWE doesn't have that luxury as a publicly traded company. Um, and on the other end, if there are any of those big wrestling fans, AEW, uh, it's not that much money, not, not that much uh, information out as to how they're really set up behind the scenes. I don't believe there's a union, but that's a brand new company. They're just really, they have only just for a couple months, but if they went on the shelf, no guarantee that they come back. Similar, Aaron, to how people are kind of doing the XFL, also a, you know, a wrestling product. But if a new company goes on the shelf that quick, there's no guarantee that the fans are going to come back. Um, and when it comes to the UFC, Aaron, I, I, you know, somebody, I, I get questions a lot. People message me questions. They, you know, reply to my questions. I got this question, you know, how, how is the UFC allowed to go forward with UFC 173, you know, right after March Madness was canceled? How could Dana White go on ESPN and say, yeah, we're going forward. President Trump said not to worry, so we're going to go forward. Um, the answer is, you know, again, they're really a private company. There's no unions behind the scenes sourcing the issue. So Dana White can really can do what he wants to some extent. Um, if the fighters don't fight, they lose out in a payday. But I guess for UFC 173, that was a fight that was actually in Brazil. It wasn't, it wasn't domestic. So, so that's part of it. Uh, and I think were these companies, uh, you know, any sports were to go forward, I think it's uh, if, if and when. They will, they will come back. It's a matter of when. Um, but at, at this age, right, these tests, when you get these, you know, coronavirus tests, it takes about five, six days for the results to come back. And that's what Marcus Smart, um, you know, the Boston Celtics at this point. So, if you get, uh, you know, if you get a test, you have to be on the shelf for five days when you're waiting for the results. That's not a practical way to return to sport. So once we start seeing the technology advance, which it has, um, to get a, a test relatively quickly, you know, maybe within an hour, um, that's when we're going to start to see these sports come back and, in, 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 you know, in their entirety. But I, I think we're, we're in this kind of weird bubble with UFC, WWE, and AEW that there's no national guidance. Um, as to how frequently guys need to be tested to play these games because, you know, Aaron, there's just, there's not really that many tests around the technology to do. Mm-hmm. So it's really a fascinating issue to watch on the sports level, on the legal level. Um, but, you know, it's just on, on, a, on a positive note, as a life note, the technology advancements are coming. So, you know, again, we're, we're making progress. I don't think we're quite there yet, but it, it's just a matter of time. So two quick questions, I'll let you go. The first one, we have a ton of people that love college basketball, that listen to this show. I think I was really kind of the first one on the national level to really talk about the fact that how the draft process is going to be impacted, but the fact that, you know, frankly, there probably won't be travel. The, the NBA draft combine is traditionally mid-May. That is almost certainly not going to happen. Um, and, you know, just talking to people around basketball, you know, I was talking to somebody who's coached at the NBA level the other day who was saying, like, yeah, like, no no, no legal team is going to let these players into their facility. They're not going to let coaches come in to work them out. Um, how much of an impact will this have on the NBA draft? Because a lot of fans listening are sitting there saying, you know, my favorite team has a guy that's kind of on the cut line and maybe he could have played his way into the first round if he got these traditional workouts. So, it, one, just kind of quickly – um, is there any way that this thing proceeds as normal? And I think the answer is no. But then two, again, I'll go kind of back to what I've said a minute ago. If a player, if I'm John Smith from UConn, and I, I know I can play my way into the first round, is there any way I can go to a team and say, hey, I'll pay my own expenses, I'll pay my own this, I don't care, I'll sign any waiver you want, I just want the opportunity to work out in front of your team, or is that not even a possibility? It's an, it's an interesting point. I mean, I just, there are sometimes, and I guess to your last one, this is more just a legal issue. 
sometimes you can look like you sign your life away on a contract, and you know, you just, I'll sign whatever you want me to sign. There's something in the law called unconscionability. If there's some contract that is just so unfair in terms of public policy, even if it's signed, not necessarily going to be valid in a court of law. Like, you know, this, this John Smith example you gave. If he signed his life away, I don't care if I get it. I, you know, I just want to work out because that's not something that, hey, I think teams would ever allow just from the, the optics of it. Sure. But it's not necessarily going to hold up in a court of law because it's not really a fair contract. So, you know, where I think, and, and just for your, you know, the people that are really into college sports, I think that there's two really good examples on the, on the basketball front and one on, on the football front. First is really a guy like Tua, who, um, you know, there's reports, you know, and I, and I look at these, you know, futures that do. I think the, it, he's supposed to be drafted over under, you know, four and, four and a half spots. So will he be a top five pick or not? So when it comes to someone like Tua with his checkered injury history that spans, you know, years at this point, he's got three different serious injuries, he hasn't played football in a number of months. These are the types of guys that really require very close scrutiny if you're going to draft them. So, normally in the NFL draft protocol, we have a month before this April 23rd upcoming draft. You know, what, what would be happening? The top five guys, and then maybe, you know, the Dolphins are going to look really closely, and you know, whoever else wants to, to really put their eyes on Tua, they would bring them to their facility. Uh, they'd work him out. They'd have him run. They'd have Phil because he's never, he didn't really, he, we didn't really see him at the combine. And he was holding up at the combine to do these private individual workouts. But just the nature of the beast, these private individual workouts aren't happening because guys can't travel with folks. I'm sure facilities are now being closed. So it, it, it all of a sudden becomes a lot more of a question mark for some of these teams. So a team that's risk-averse, maybe they say, you know what, I don't really feel that comfortable. I remember a guy like Montez Sweat dropped very deep in the draft last year because of similar type question marks. They didn't really know how the guy was going to you know, respond. Um, you know, and then on the flip side, let's say we're not even talking about an injury. A guy like you know, Weissman uh, from Memphis. We didn't really see him on the college basketball landscape this year. I think he played two games and he was out. So, um, you know, and another guy like LaMelo Ball, we didn't see him with NBA competition. We saw him playing in Australia. So this would be the time in these next, you know, couple months where guys would be taken for individual private workouts, set up by team doctors at their own facilities. But, Aaron, as of Friday, NBA facilities are shut down. Yep. Training facilities are shut down. So... It's another nature of the beast, right? There's going to be a lot of speculative picks in these drafts, and maybe you go for someone that has a little less question marks around. Maybe a guy with two years of a track record in college basketball, which we know about, versus a guy like, you know, an RJ Kenton or a Lamella Ball. We don't really know how guys transition from Australia to the pros. So I think it's going to hurt stocks like that with this guy like White. Like we just saw him playing high school. We didn't really see anything beyond that. So I, I think that's something to pay attention to for, you know, sports fans and, and people that are interested in these, uh, you know, these NFL draft, NBA, you know, draft props, that's really something to look at, what teams this tolerance would be. And I think, Aaron, just as a final point, where this would come up, a guy like Bull Bull, who we saw last year, was supposed to be a top, you know, first-round pick on everyone's board, and all of a sudden the guy kept dropping and dropping into the second round because there were so many question marks about this guy. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, I, I think the NFL draft's going to go forward. It looks like it's going to be done in a TV studio like they used to do back in the day, no Goodell handshakes, no nothing like that. I think um, you know the rest of these drafts, NHL, NBA, baseball, they're all in June. So that's the next time frame where we're not really sure what we're going to see. So I think it's possible that, that any one of those three, if not all of the three, get delayed in some way, shape, or form. Um, and then, you know, baseball, uh, you know, baseball, now that they've extended eligibility of spring athletes, they're also considering just extending their draft and having kind of like a super draft the following year, which is also a play. Yeah, I actually did see that on your Twitter feed. Okay, last question. I really want to let you go. Is, you know, I think for a lot of fans, I think as frustrating as this is, 
I do think kind of the light at the end of the tunnel is, well, at least football is not being affected. At least we're going to have the NFL. At least we're going to have the SEC. At least we're going to have the Big Ten. What is the chance that the NFL, the, the college, major college football, is there any possibility, and I know it's all speculative, we're talking eight months down the road, seven months down the road, any possibility that the start of football season is delayed, postponed, whatever? You, you'd hope not, but that's just, you're just reading the tea leaves, have you? Uh, I, think, I think when it comes to at least football, those are much later dates in the year. They, the footballs are very lucky that football has wrapped up Super Bowls in the book, right? The national championships in the book. So football might not really get affected by this at all. It, it's very possible that nothing moves. And I mentioned that line, uh, according to the offshore books, people think that week one's going to go on as scheduled with fans in the stands. So we could have, you know, I think, it, I think the, the chances are that football has a, does not get affected by any means other than the draft, you know, not being, um, you know, the normal event we're talking about. I think, Supposed to be in Vegas, but I don't. I don't think it looks like that's going to happen. It's probably going to be behind closed doors on on a studio cam. But when it comes to the college football, I think it's the same thing. It's that timeline that the timeline that the NBA is looking at is that July 13th, 14th day. Baseball kind of looking in the same mid July. Um, I, I think it's possible that football is not touched at all. You know, again, you know, you might you might see the only way it's affected. You know, with and Aaron, you mentioned it. You know, when we were talking beforehand. These gyms are shut down, right? These training facilities are shut down. So I know Anthony Davis of the Lakers has talked about it. You know, what, what playing shape will guys be in once yeah. people return to the field? I, I remember all these different lockout shortened seasons. There was always injury risks. The guys just weren't as fresh. So that's kind of more of a concern when it comes to football, that guys just aren't going to be ready to play because they're going to have an abbreviated, you know, time. And they can't get in these giant practices with, like, 100 guys on the field all at the same time. You know, some of those are happening even now, right? They're happening in June. these spring or May, spring practices. So you're going to have to see some, you know, the rest get shaken off. But I think if we're betting on one sport, it looks like football is going to be the one that's not going to be affected. His name is Dan Lust. Uh, dude, this was unbelievable. It was, I cannot thank you enough. Uh, I think this was insanely informative. Um, and I just can't thank you enough for doing this. Again, he is a sports law analyst. You can follow him on Twitter at Sports Law Lust S U or L U S T L U S T Sports Law Lust. Uh, he is an attorney at Goldberg Sagala. Uh, dude, this was so much fun, so informative. Uh, I don't. I, I'm not exaggerating when I say I don't think that I've ever learned more from talking to a guest. I uh, didn't think we would go quite so long. I appreciate you making so much time informing the audience. Make sure to follow Dan on Twitter. This was awesome, dude. Thank you so much. Aaron, my, my absolute, absolute pleasure. In, in these trying times where there are no sports on TV, I'm, I'm happy to do my part <laughs> to entertain your listeners. So you're just telling me if there was a game on, you would have totally blown off this call. Although I guess this call wouldn't have been necessary if there was a game. But, but yeah. Uh, hey, listen, a- accurate, accurate. Plus there's no sports on, so it's a loop point. All right, Dan Lust, uh, Sports Law Lust on Twitter, and uh, that is all for today's show. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 